for tuning in to the Glossy Podcast. I'm your host, Jill Manoff, and today I sit down with Elise Ahrens, CEO of Francis Valentine, the apparel brand she co-founded in 2016 with Kate and Andy Spade. Francis Valentine has established a strong business and loyal shopper base by catering to an often ignored demo, Boomers and Gen X. I wanted to ask Elise how the pandemic's digital acceleration impacted the brand's marketing and sales strategies and what's behind its store expansion strategy, with two stores recently opened in the South. Welcome, Elise. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thanks for being here. Well, walk me through. We are just getting to know each other. Haven't spoken a lot yet about Francis Valentine. Tell me your founder story. How did you meet the Spades? How did this come to be? (laughs) Well, it's a very, very long story, but I'll try and make it concise. (laughs) Um, So Katie um, Brosnahan and I met at when we were 18 years old at the University of Kansas and quickly became best friends. We both shared a love of vintage shopping. Um, We both loved Mary Tyler Moore. Um, She was an icon to us because she was a journalist and a single woman. She had great style. And that wasn't very common back when for a woman to be single and be professional. So she was just, I think that's why we both went into journalism, um, because we loved Mary Tyler Moore so much. In any case, um, we graduated from college and uh, we were supposed to take a trip together for our senior, or at the end of our senior year. And it was to Europe. And I said to Katie, I've got $2,500 saved. I can either go to Europe or I can move to New York, which is what I've always wanted to do. So I moved to New York. Katie went on the trip by herself and she came back to New York and ended up staying with me and uh, getting the job at Mademoiselle shortly after. I worked in the fashion business uh, for other private companies and um, I just fell in love with fashion when I got to New York. And my mother actually would bring us all up here. I, the last of four daughters from a farm in Kansas. And my mother would bring us up when we were 14. So I fell in love with New York then and um, worked for a lot of different fashion businesses. The first one was JG Hook a long time ago. It was a very preppy East Coast brand. And then I worked for Mary Tan Francois Chabot at Chabot Jeans. And then we started Kate Spade. And we had Kate Spade for about 13 years. And we started with handbags and added product categories we loved over time and ended up selling that business in 20, uh, 2006 to Neiman Marcus Group. And we all had started having children while we were at Kate Spade. And um, I had just had my third daughter when we uh, sold it. And a few years went by, we were full-time moms doing a lot of different things. And we were out to dinner one night and we talked about how much we missed creating and designing and um, having a business and really having that social part of life that we loved so much. And so Francis Valentine was born at a dinner table out to dinner. I think it was probably 2013, 2014. And Andy Spade said, if you don't get an office space, Katie's never going to start. So we got an office space in 2014. And once she knew we were paying rent, um, she started coming to the office and we started working on it. And we launched um, Francis Valentine with just handbags and shoes in 2016. Oh my goodness. I love this story. And P.S., being a single girl journalist professional, I'm like, hey, Mary Tyler Moore should be my icon. She's so chic. <laughs> anyway, I'm- that makes great sense. 
I loved her. I loved her friends, her neighbors, Rhoda and Phyllis. Everybody had such great style. It was their own, but they had such great style. You're not kidding. For Frances Valentine, you clearly you conquered fashion with Kate Spade. I mean, was the intention always, we're going to go for a different demo. We're going to put a different spin on fashion and it maybe will be a different look. Um, how did you want to differentiate for sure out of the gate? You know, I think it was, it's really based on where we are in our lives. When we started Kate Spade, we were 29 and 30 years old. And we were at a time in our lives where we were young professionals and the products we made were really targeted to women like us. And I think it's true today too. When we started Francis Valentine, we were missing things out in the market that we wanted. You know, when we would go out to shop, there were I, I would go looking for a great pair of shoes and you know, beautiful design, great quality, but the price points I was finding were well over a thousand dollars. And I thought, you know, we've done this before. I know we can do this again. And so we made really beautiful designs at really great prices with really good quality. And that's how Francis Valentine started. And we um, you know, we love accessories and that was really Katie's forte. She was fabulous at it. Um, and uh, after we lost her in 2018, we created a couple of pieces that were her favorite vintage clothing pieces. She never really wanted to work on clothes. She always loved accessories so much. So it was sort of my homage to her was bringing back these pieces that she had cherished for so long. It was a embroidered caftan that she wore on every vacation we ever took and um, a sweater with a bright embroidered flowers on it that she wore all the time. And so we made those, they sold out immediately. We reordered and reordered and reordered. And then all of our customers started asking us for every piece of clothing that we styled in our campaigns. And so they'd be like, where can I buy that swing jacket? Where can I buy that jacket? Where can I buy those pants? Where can I buy that sweater? So we slowly started making all these pieces cut to a year, about a year later, we have a full apparel line to complement our full accessory lines. Is apparel now a majority of the business? It is. It is. It has taken over first place on the on the product. Yes, that's <laughs> wild. And I know our sister site, Modern Retail, wrote about your, your home decor or home expansion. What is the plant lifestyle brand? Is that is that the goal? Is that what you are you say you are? Yes. Yes. That that is the goal. And it's really all those things that feel nostalgic, but are also modern. We we try and blend those two. Um, we take a lot of inspiration from vintage pieces, whether it's, um, you know, shoes or bags or apparel or home pieces. And um, it really... Um, you can just feel it when you, you walk into one of our stores, for instance. It it just feels like someone's apartment or home that's curated. And that's what it's meant to feel like. It's meant to feel like your best friend's apartment or house. Um, so we we have a lot of different products we're working on, and we're trying to be very strategic and take it very slowly with all products that we're adding. Um, one of the things we're adding this spring, which I'm really excited about because we, our customers have asked us for it over and over again, are jeans. And we, although we've had jeans in our line before, these are made in America and there are two styles that are very classic. Um, you know, I went through my drawers a few years ago and threw out all the, you know, the 10 pairs of skinny jeans I had. And it made me sick to my stomach because I was like, I should be able to keep these forever. But 
some styles, they come in and they go out. And so we chose two styles that were very classic and that we that could really live on in your closet forever. And honestly, they're the pairs that I didn't get rid of out of my drawers. They're sort of the basic five pocket jean that's really fun. Um, it's got our signature XO embroidered on one of the pockets. And then the other is a high-waisted wide leg jean that goes all the way down. That, But they're, they're just great classic oh, styles. Nice. I'm so excited that we're launching those really in about two weeks. Um, and then we have our spring line that is launching the beginning of September, or beginning of February. Um, and then we'll have uh, another collection rollout in March for that. We have um, occasions wear that's launching in April. And that's sort of a, an addition to what we normally You're do, having some dressier things because there's so many weddings going on. And we've sold so many dresses for brides and mothers of the bride and bridesmaids and wedding guests that we created a whole capsule of those things that we're launching in April, along with, I'm very excited about this, our new fragrance. Oh, yeah. your first beauty product, yes? Yes, it's our first one. I'm really excited about it. We've been working on it for a couple of years. And it sort of just, it smells and feels like Francis Valentine to me. It's it's like that beautiful day when your garden's finally in bloom and you walk out in your yard and that's what it smells like. It's really great. Oh my gosh, that's exciting. P.S. If you threw out your skinny jeans 10 years ago, you are so ahead of your time. <laughs> I have skinny jeans still, and I'm like, do I keep them? Like, I know. It's such an issue. But but you probably me. haven't worn them in a while, right? No, I feel so out. <laughs> Forget it. Um, <laughs> but you've got this amazing spa spectrum of shoppers. I think that I read, anyway, up to 85, maybe starts at 25. I mean, was that intentional to, I guess, cater to more women um, and what does that even mean? They wanted your classic look. They wanted, I don't know, do you describe it as happy? Like what's appealing to them? How are you catering to them? Well, I think, you know, we do have customers from 25 to 85, but the majority of our customers are in their 40s, some in their 50s, some in their 60s. Um, and I think they're women who have been around the block already. They know what they like and they know what they don't like. They really care about quality of things. They really want to look chic and sophisticated, but they also don't want to pay thousands of dollars for some, you know, for one piece. And it's, it's really been our formula to make those items. It's the things that I want It's the things that you want to buy. And we try and make them happy and colorful and they have to have a reason for being in your closet. You don't necessarily need another black dress, but if it's got some really fun, great embroidery on it that makes it special and unique, I think these are pieces you can't really get anywhere else. And our customers tell us that all the time. They're like, there's nothing else out there like it. And we hear it from our wholesale customers and the, the people who come into our retail stores um, because it makes them feel special. And I am of the firm belief that you decide how you're going to feel all day when you wake up in the morning and what you put on yourself really matters. So if you, you know, walk out in a pink velvet suit and you get 15 compliments and you check yourself out in the mirror and you're like, oh my God, this makes me so happy. I love this suit. Um, you know, it just, it changes your day. It boosts your mood and gives you confidence. And that's, um, that's what the brand is all about. It's really about, um, you know, finding that confidence and creating your own personal style with each piece. 
Yes. Well, tell me about the company. Um, how large is it? You're right now in New York, you said. Um, yes. That's the headquarters. Yeah. Tell me about the brand, the company that you've grown, uh, maybe employee count, all the all that stuff. Give us a good idea. So we started, we had about nine people when we started, and that lasted for quite some time. Um, I think when we when COVID hit, we had about 11 people. We, luckily, we were able to keep everyone here and everyone working. Um and that's just at the headquarters. And now today we have about 21 at the headquarters at Bryant Park. It's a beautiful office space. Um, we have a, an additional amount who work at all of our retail stores across the country. We've got six retail stores today. We just opened um, Atlanta in Buckhead Village in October. And we opened Birmingham, Alabama in the summit in November. And we're, we have two more stores. We just signed leases for one in Alexandria, Virginia, and one in uh, Naples, Florida, and the Waterside Shop. So we're really excited because we're adding to, we have Palm Beach, we have um, the Hamptons, we have Madison, we have Houston. Um, and we're, we're very excited to expand our retail stores because I think if people can go in and touch and feel and try on and just kind of walk into the store themselves and really feel the, I don't know, it's cozy, but it's also really cool at the same time. But it just does feel like you're walking into your best friend's apartment. Um, I So that's an area where we're growing a lot is our retail stores. And then, you know, when we started Francis Valentine in 2016, we started with only handbags and shoes. And we had a nice wholesale business back then. COVID hit. Um, we had really been working on our apparel and we had many stores asking us to carry our apparel. And we wanted to make sure that we had the fit right, that we were size inclusive, and we had the quality and the pricing right to be able to sell it wholesale. So we finally got that all worked out during COVID and launched it to wholesale last year. And Neiman Marcus picked us up and Saks picked us up. Nordstrom has been a longtime customer of ours. And uh, we have a lot of specialty stores too. So that business is just really explosive right now. I had no idea that was new because I was on your website and looked at the stockists and I saw that I was going to ask you about specialty stores, the, I guess, potential for the boutique channel, um, mm -hmm. because, wow, there are many. Yeah, it's it's really exciting. And it's just happened so quickly. That is due to the team we have here and our, our VP of sales gets out there and, and really hits the road. Um but we also have two shop-in shops that are really exciting to me. Um, the Greenbrier Resort in West Virginia. We were down there shooting and they contacted us and they said, it's perfect for the Greenbrier. Would you do a shop-in shop? So we built it out and it's it's one of our best accounts. They do so much business there. It's really, really great. And then as well, uh, La Quinta in Palm Springs at La Quinta Resort. Well, with your wholesale partner or your own partners or your own stores. Um, is there something informing where you want to be? It seems like um, kind of these are travel destinations, maybe. Um, like I said, it seems there's a lot in the South, but what's informing it? There's a lot in the South. And the reason um, that we have sort of targeted area, certain areas where we have opened stores so far is because those are very, we have information through our e-commerce that those zip codes um, are very good for us. So we try to open our stores in those areas for First, and we have a lot of business in California, but it's so far from New York that that's on our list and we'll get to it at some point. It's just, it's easier for us to travel down the East Coast to open stores. Um, and we'll get to California, actually dying to get out there at some point and, and get some stores open there. We'll be right back after this quick break. 
Well, tell me again on your retail partners, um, in addition to the larger department stores, I noticed that there was um, Eleven Honoré and Dia and Co. that I, you know, usually equate to um, extended size offerings. So tell me about your size range and why that matters, I guess. Well, it matters if you think about uh, how designer fashion was. When we were coming up, they really carried a size zero or two through 10. And that was it. And I think it didn't represent all women and all women in the United States. And um, so we were really set on um, having an extended size. And we still need, we still have a little bit of work to do to add more petites to that because we've had a lot of customers write in and ask for those. But the majority of our apparel sizes go from a a zero or extra small up to a 3XL or a size 24. There there are some that don't, but most of them do. And we're really happy about that. And um, 11 on a rate kind of took notice of that and asked us to be a part of their business. So um, they are a great partner now. Well, let's talk about it because wholesale is so new. The learnings that have come from all of this, like ideally, would you maybe you obviously get great awareness being in a new retailer? Um, ideally, should it be like a 50-50 split between your owned channels and and retail partners or where? What are the challenges? You obviously don't have the same control that you have in your own channels. But yeah, tell me about that transition. That's a very good question. And I've sort of been all over the board over over my whole span of being in the fashion business. But I think a 50-50 split is actually a very healthy place to be. You know, I think if there's trouble in any one sector, then you've got the other to rely upon. And having wholesale partners is a really great business. We get feedback from them. We have relationships with them and, and their partnerships have been very important to us um, in just the short period of time that we've been doing business with them. It really provides a lot of information to us and brand awareness. Yeah. Gosh, your marketing play. Um, I, I want to talk about it. And if that really the pandemic changed things, because I know you have a great catalog business. Was that always kind of the, the a number one marketing investment? And yeah, is that how effective is that? And has that changed? It wasn't our a number one. It was, you know, we were doing a lot of digital paid ads. And because uh, our, our business really took off with e-commerce, but the, and I can't take credit for it because the team that we have here are the ones who kept bringing it to me and saying, we really should do a catalog. We really should do a catalog. And in my mind, it was sort of stodgy and old fashioned. And I thought, who does catalogs anymore? They were totally right. And we had shot our campaign and signed up for the catalog um, in September, I guess, of 2019. We signed up and you know got everything organized for it. We shot the campaign in March of 2020. As we're flying home from Florida, uh, Friday the 13th, COVID was hitting. And that weekend, everything closed down. But luckily, we had the film. And we edited the whole thing on Zoom and we launched our first catalog June 1st of 2020. And it hit, you know, like couldn't have been a better time for us because everybody was home and in need of some joyful dressing because everybody was sad and scared. And um, so we've been doing catalogs ever since. But I think it was just one of those fortuitous things that happened at the right time. I mean, lucky you. I I was saying during the pandemic that the one thing that got me excited during the day was going out to get my mail. Yeah. <laughs> 
Like, what I get today? Give, bring some joy to my life. Uh, I'm sure that's an engaged audience. Are you finding that um, they would um, the catalog went out and the website would kind of blow up like that? That was the course of events. Absolutely. For yeah. a couple of weeks, anyway, it was very busy. Yeah. So it was great. And we, you know, we do a lot of other marketing um, as well. We will do, we'll go into areas where we're opening a store and place billboard ads and local media and really spend some time in the community to get to know what's important to them. Um, but catalogs are still very important to our business. I think our customers rely on it. They call if they don't get it on time and ask us when it's coming. Um, but I think a lot of them, uh, often feel like it's like a fashion magazine they get every other month or something um, because there are fewer and fewer magazines out there. It's kind of fun to get. What's happening in store, maybe beyond a point of sale? Our stores, uh, we have a lot of different events all the time. Our associates who work there act as friends to customers and they're not salesy and they're not pushy. And that's very important to us. Um, we want them to help style people and to let them know when we have new products in. But um, the stores are really, we use them a lot for different parties, charity events. Um, during COVID, I use them for podcasts all the time and Instagram lives because it was a nice backdrop instead of just my living room. Um, so we do a lot of things in our stores and they're they're consistently busy and there, there's things every single month that happen in the stores. Speaking of that, your face is out there. You're the face of the brand. Do, do the people want to see you? I would think. It's it's fun to go visit and um, to actually meet customers. And I, you know, they they might be really happy to meet me, but I'm really happy to meet them because they give so much information to me, what they loved from last season or what they're looking for that maybe they're not finding with us or particular details that we can um, that manipulate on any particular garment. And I really appreciate it. I come back from every trip with a whole list of things that I want to either make or change or do. So nice. Well, gosh, tell me about this community. Where are you hearing from them? Getting that great feedback. It's happening in store, maybe on Instagram. Like what, what else is yeah, happening so for that connectivity? We we get a, you know a lot on the social channels, but we have a lot of customers who will write the reviews of the product after they purchase it. And oh, nice. uh, we have, you know, a customer service group who really is very attentive to people. And I get a lot of those notes all the time, um, no matter what they are, whether they're good or bad. And, um, you know, I reach out to people myself sometimes if I'm not understanding exactly what they're asking for, or I just write thank you for so much for taking the time to do it because um, their input really matters. Yeah. Customer service. Is that um, a growing portion of the business? We've had it since we launched. Um, I think it's always really important because, you know, we've all had that experience where you're trying to get information or you're trying to buy something or you're trying to return something and you can't get anybody on the phone. And we have the options of chat, email, you can do the return simply by yourself, or you can speak to someone on the phone. And our customer service people go up to our retail stores and they try everything on themselves. They feel the fabric. They know what colors are, you know, relevant. They they know everything about the product. So they're really, really equipped to handle and to talk to people and to help them select items. Well, tell me if more stores are to come and to be able to do what you want to do on the physical retail front. Does that, I mean, are you looking to fundraise? Are you guys, are you guys all set? What, what will it take to get there? 
I think companies like us are always looking to fundraise. So (laughs) it's just always an ongoing uh, challenge because we're growing. We need more capital for our production all the time. So yes, we're, we're consistently fundraising. Um, and our plan really is to, uh, grow our, uh, all of the channels that we have. Um, e-commerce has had, you know, enormous growth. We grew, I think it was 85% just in 2021 alone. Um, and, and it's grown every single year that we've, that we've had it. Um, we, we've put a larger focus on our retail, um, over the last couple of years, adding you know new stores, and we've got more planned down the line. Um, I can't mention any other areas because we haven't signed those leases, but we've got Alexandria, which I mentioned, and Naples, which is coming this year. Um, and we're really looking in Dallas, Texas, too. We love love Dallas. Um, and then you know our wholesale division, it's you know it's grown by leaps and bounds just in a few short months. And so keeping up with the with all of the production on that, and then working on you know I'm constantly in three different seasons at a time because we're uh, getting ready to launch spring right now, but I'm just finishing designing fall for 23 and starting to work on resort. So it's, you know, it's just, it's a constant, I know I wake up in the morning and I'm like, what season is it? (laughs) (laughs) What day is it? (laughs) To what extent was your, would you say your e-commerce growth was driven by the customer, the older customer being more comfortable shopping online? Well, you know, I think a lot of that had to do with COVID and many people who weren't used to doing it before were kind of forced into doing it and then got very comfortable doing it. So I think a lot still do, but I think we have a lot of customers who are always going to want to shop in person. Um, even with our catalog, people don't necessarily want to go online. They'll shop directly from the catalog and call customer service or call one of our stores to place orders and talk about what does that fabric feel like? Is it thick? Is it thin? Is it lined? Is it not? Um, so they want to get all the details from a human being instead of uh, e-commerce. Yeah, that makes great sense. What's challenging you now? Is it like the costs are up for you sourcing materials every step of the supply chain, um, obviously? But yeah, is that what's weighing on your mind? Or I guess, what are you navigating now? You know, I think um, we were more recently navigating getting products in um, on time last year. Um that was a big challenge for, I think, most businesses last year. Um, we didn't have too many issues. We really a two-week delay. But, you know, when you're putting out a catalog, it matters. Um, oh, yeah. So uh, <laughs> that's less of an issue this year. Um, and I think really for me, I know this is a, a good problem to have. But for me, we're really trying to edit uh, the fall line so we don't go out with too much and we really focus on the core styles that people are really going to love and that um, our customers are looking for. Um, So editing is really a difficult job for me because every piece of clothing is like one of our children and it's um, hard to um, not keep all of them. Well, I would say... I. You're in this great space. I feel like it makes great sense to this is a high spend, high, higher net worth customer than maybe um a 20 year old a college student that's really, you know, shopping trends. Like, first of all, is it wild to you that more brands aren't going here? <laughs> or is it getting crowded? Are brands getting hip to it as they're getting more, I guess, putting more thought into it at this day and age where you, you can't afford to miss a customer, I guess? Yeah. Yeah. So I think there are brands out there who are thinking about it. I think 
you know, we have different products than they do, but they may be more of a neutral palette type of uh, business. And I think there are a lot of them out there um, that are the direct to consumer businesses that that have all launched over the last probably 10 years. Some of them are very conscientious about who their customers are. Um, We particularly are because um, our our products are really unique and I feel like you can't find them anywhere else. And people are always telling us that. Um, So um, it's really for that woman who you know, has beautiful individual style. She wants to, she wants to get that special piece to style with her own pieces. Um, and, you know, we use all ages of models um, and all, you know, all different sizes of models in our, in our campaigns and our shoots and, and uh, for online. And so it's really important to us to represent everyone, but um, you know, the majority of our our customers are like you said, they're probably women above 30 years old who actually have uh, you know discretionary income to be able to spend a little bit more on fashion items. Yes, well, a catalog shoot is not a TikTok shoot. Like this is an investment. <laughs> Tell me about are you slicing and dicing the content really just um, focused on making the most of that time and of those that talent and those resources while you've got it? Or yeah, what's your content play, I guess, because this does sound more high cost. You're asking exactly the right questions. We're constantly slicing and dicing where our marketing dollars are best spent. And so whether it is, uh, you know, more books, fewer books every year, catalogs, I mean, um, or more circulation or less circulation at specific times of the year. And we look at all of those data points you know, on a weekly basis until we, you know, actually commit to each catalog. Um, and the same with billboards we might want to take out or ads that we're going to take out in in different publications that are local. Um, we look at everything as well as our paid media on social channels. Well, I feel like it's such a, I don't know, misconception that a 40 plus customer or anybody um, is not as digitally savvy as somebody younger. But is there anything surprising that you would tell us about maybe it is a TikTok? Maybe you're not in the metaverse, but what are you doing that's a little forward that is really resonating? I, I think personally, I need to do more. My daughters are all on TikTok. They love it. They're just on it all the time. Um, but, uh, you know, we have a really great staff here of all ages. And so they create content here in the office that's really fun and unique. And I'm always like so surprised when I run across one that I haven't even seen and I didn't know they were doing, but I love it. So I love surprises like that from our team. They really, they do a great job. For sure. Anything else we can expect in 2023? I mean, can you plan this day and age? Not sure. But yeah, other than more stores, maybe (laughs) further expansion, anything we didn't talk about? I don't think so. I think we talked about more stores. We talked about wholesale. Um, Our e-commerce business is healthy and growing. Um, I think I talked about our fragrance launch that I'm so excited about uh, this spring. And our denim that's coming out in um, this this month and our whole spring collections coming spring and summer. So it just it makes me so happy because it means spring is here when, when you know, once we launch our collection, I'm like, woohoo, it's time. <laughs> I feel like that fragrance is just begging to be followed up by a, a lipstick or something. Anyway, Maybe. we will see. Well, you're so chic over there, Elise. Tell, are you wearing um, head to toe 
Francis Valentine. I always am. I always am. Because if I'm not, that means I'm, we're not making the right things. I have to wear it every single day. I love it. And I, I love to just, if I don't have the right piece at home, that I've got a big closet here that I can choose from. Oh my gosh. Well, for those who can't see, next time we'll have to do this on video because surrounded by it's like an amazing design studio full of color and life. And anyway, it looks wonderful. Elise, thank you for being here. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. That's all for this episode. Our theme music is by Otis McDonald. Be sure to give us a rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening to The Glossy Podcast. See you next week.